When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to Inside Mizzou Athletics, presented by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. Now, here's Matt Michaels and Brad Trinago. Hello and welcome. It is another rousing edition of the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast. I am Matt Michaels. Hello, Brad Trinago. Hello, hello. We're, we're basically here, man. Sports, sports happening. Yes. This week, as Activities we on athletic fields of competition, courts, I guess, specific, specifically, they, they occur. Indeed. It, it, it is forthwith. <laughs> you, did you have to think about forthwith in the shower this morning before you went? I didn't think about that in the shower, but I did have an idea come to me in the shower that we're going to go a little bit more in-depth on as we move along here on the podcast. Oh, what... Do I get a bit of a hint? Because I think I'm in the dark about this. Mascots are involved. Oh, well, that that's fun. And I, I co-signed to this. So we'll have some of that fun. Also, some fun and five good minutes with uh, many of these Mizzou football players once again. Kind of part two of the series coming up on this podcast, which is brought to you, as always, by Shelter Insurance. Recently ranked highest in customer satisfaction among auto insurers in the central region. Five out of six years in a row by J.D. Power. Shelter Insurance, we're your shield, we're your shelter. The podcast also powered by Socket Fiber, the fastest, most reliable internet. Head to Socket.net, get yourself some fiber. Super fibrous these days around Columbia, and only getting more fibrousy. Only getting fibrousy? Yep. You said forthwith and fibrousy in the span of two minutes. Um, I'm just going to leave everybody to make their own assumptions about what that means. So uh, we have had some opportunities as we've gone through fall camp to hear from some of the Mizzou Tiger athletes who will take the field playing football for 
the black and gold this season. And uh, I, I think the common theme is uh, something to prove is not just uh, a catchphrase or a hashtag on, I'm still calling it Twitter. <laughs> uh, it it seems to be something that a lot of these guys are bringing up. And time and again, you'll hear it through the course of the six conversations we have for you today. Um I think everybody's just about ready, and it's at about this week, Brad, that everybody's ready to not see someone that they know hitting them in practice or the scrimmage. They want to see someone they don't, so we're at about the time where that starts to turn the corner, too. I was just thinking the same thing, that yeah, it's time for a, a different colored jersey, and, and woe be on to the, the folks from South Dakota who make their way down here on the 31st, because it's I, I think they might take it out on them a little bit, especially this defense. Well, especially, yeah, with one of the fellas we'll hear uh, a little bit later on who might have a standout year in so many ways uh, in the middle of the Tiger defense. We'll kind of do these three and three, so we'll set you up for a few at a time and then kind of break it down amongst ourselves. So uh, why don't we give you some introductions to running back Nathaniel, a.k.a. Nate Pete. Then we'll hear from Josh Landry and one of the young Tigers, Armand Membu, as we go through this set of conversations with five good football minutes with the Tigers. And let's check in right now with a senior, an upperclassman, a Rockbridge Bruin, and a Missouri Tiger now in his second season. Nate Pete is with us. It's good to have you here on our podcast. It is good to have a chance to see you play in the town that you came from. It's been special, I think, for Tiger fans from mid-Missouri to see this. How's it been for you so far? Uh, it's been really good. I've gotten a lot of support from uh, my high school supporters, but also coming back to Mizzou as well. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I've been having a lot of support from my family, friends, and a lot of people that supported me from students I was like playing CYFL uh, whenever I was younger. So um, been really enjoying it, liking the staff here, liking uh, all the coaches and the players, so really enjoying it. Did you find there were a lot of parallels from your Division One experience at Stanford to what you experienced at Mizzou, or or was it more different than it was similar for you? Uh, I'd say there was a lot of similarities, but also a lot of differences as well. I'd say in the similarities, just in that um, they can quite they require technician type uh, mindsets and everything that they do. So whether it's uh, lift whether it's the weights, whether it's how you do a drill or what you need out of plays or game plans. I say in that aspect, it's the same. But I say with just the SEC, the guys are just a little bit bigger. The, um, the atmospheres are just a little bit bigger. So in that aspect, it's, it's different. But whenever you're a ball player, whenever you grow up in situations like this, it's kind of what you live for. And so in that aspect, it's different. But that's something I love. What's been the biggest difference from your expectation to what's actually gone on in being in the SEC, whether it is the atmosphere, the play, uh, the fan support, how has it been different than what you expected? I'd say the um, atmospheres is probably one of the bigger bigger ones. Um, the fan bases and also the stadiums as well. Uh, I kind of thrive in those situations. I love it. Um, but I say that was one of the one of the bigger ones. But um, like I said before, football is football, whether you go to the Pac-12 or the SEC. So I say in that way, it's kind of the same. 
your running back room has veteran experience. You, Cody Schrader, it's got some newcomers who are on the rise. How do you feel the mix in that running back room is contributing to your success as you get ready for season two of, of your experience here? Yeah, I, f- I feel like it brings a lot of competition into the uh, running back room. I feel like everybody brings a lot of different aspects into the game. But um, then again, we're all competing to get playing time and we're all competing to be the best fits into the offense because at the end of the day, we all just want to win. How has that offensive transition been from Kirby Moore installing some things that maybe he sees to what you experienced a year ago? Um, I'd say there's a lot of similarities, but there are also a lot of differences as well. Um, I feel like Kirby has a lot of uh, ways where we can get into plays differently or we can get into the similar plays from last year a little bit differently or a little bit quicker. Um, But... I think, like I said before, there's a lot of similarities, but I think he's putting a little, his little spice to it that makes it his own offense. Everybody needs a little bit of spice yeah. in that offense, right? <laughs> like, that's the thing. Running backs, you like that because sometimes the spice ends up with you guys, I don't know, in in a reverse or a, a halfback pass or who knows what could be out there. So mm-hmm. you got to keep a little bit of spice in your offense, right? Have to, have to. I feel like that's what Kirby Moore does best. I feel like he highlights a lot of players and he's able to get them the ball in the space that they need, whether it's somebody need to go for a jump pass or somebody needing the ball in their hands or giving the ball to somebody off a run. So I feel like he highlights that well and makes the offense uh, really explosive. I know you don't have fear when you're out there on the football field, but I asked this of Cody Schrader, so I'll ask it of you. Is there anyone on that defensive side that you go up against in practice or a scrimmage and you see the number and you say, oh man, it's coming right now? Mm-hmm. Any one of those guys? Um yeah, like, I, like you said before, I really have no fear of anybody, but whenever I'm going against Tyron Hopper or D-Rob, I know those players are coming with the best, and so I know I have to give my best as well, too. And I feel like that just brings the best out of all of us and competing and makes our team better to compete in the SEC. That means Tyron Hopper was mentioned twice by running back, so watch out, rest of the SEC, because <laughs> he's coming for you. Nate Pete with us here to talk about the season and what's going on and what's going to happen this year. Appreciate your time, man. Good to talk with you, and we wish you all the best as the year goes on. Thank you so much, MIZ. Got a defensive lineman with us now, originally from Houston, who transferred in from Baylor a couple years ago, Josh Landry. And Josh, how was this preseason, How has this preseason camp been different from last year? Uh, I feel like this camp been different because it's. Uh, I feel like it's a lot more competitive going back and forth with the offense, you know, everybody just trying to get better every day and competing. Why did you decide to come back for another season of college football as a grad student? Uh, Because I felt like this team had so much more we could tap into, and I just wanted to be a part of that and try to get better. When you transferred away from Baylor initially, what were you looking for when you went into the transfer portal? Uh, Just... I would probably say brotherhood along with, you know, uh, along with getting on the field a little bit more. I would probably say just brotherhood, the main thing, being able to look to the left and look to the right and, you know, I'm saying have somebody I can count on and cool with, everybody cool together in the locker room. 
I've heard that term brotherhood a lot from some of your teammates who have mentioned that. So do you feel like, I'm guessing, you've, you've found that brotherhood here at Mizzou? Oh, yes, sir, most definitely. Just, you know, not just doing stuff outside of football, hanging with each other and going out to eat and, you know, having tournaments, game tournaments, going hoop, you know, just doing stuff outside of football and having those conversations about stuff other than football. Who's the best basketball player on the defensive line? Ooh, I got to go with uh, D-tackles or D-ends included. Okay, well, let's let's do both. Okay, let's entire D-line. Who's the best? Entire D-line. Ooh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. Entire D-line. I might go with... I got to go with myself. Okay, okay. So we're going to put you put you at the top. Who else? Okay, so if you need to go two-on-two, two, you need somebody to get a bucket, you're double-teamed. Who are you hoping that you're passing it to to get that bucket? On the D-line? On the D-line, yeah. Uh, I'll probably say... I want to say I want to say my dog Rillis, but he more defense, defense <laughs> more defense. So that feels right. You know? yeah. he, he seems like the guy would be more of the enforcer down there. Yeah, by. so I'll probably go Joe Joe Moore. Okay, Joe Moore in there yeah. a little bit too. Sounds good. But let's let's go back to to football. Your your specialty in, in sports. What have you liked about playing in a Blake Baker defense? Uh, just the ability to uh, get up the field and get penetration, get vertical. That's I feel like that's that's helped my game and a couple other other defensive linemen a lot. You, you're in a, a heck of a room, and especially a defensive tackle. I, I can't remember a time where there's been so much talent specifically at defensive tackle. You're included. I mean, there are a lot of places where you could be starting right now and getting a ton of reps. But how has having all that com- competition in the room, how has that helped to make you better, you think? Oh, man, I, it helped a lot, actually, because, you know, we, we, we all come – to work every day trying to get 1% better and we make sure we push each other every day. So it's like, you know, we we know we competing, but also, like, if if I can't depend on the other D-tackles in the room, you know, I that's it's going to make it harder on myself. So it's just we make sure we push each other every day and try to get better every day because we know we're not – we competing, but at the end of the day, we still trying to – be productive on the field for the team to make the defense better. That defensive tackle group is, is so good. In fact, we're, we're hearing about you know some folks like Darius Robinson getting getting some reps at, at defensive end. Even have you had a chance in practice to line up with with D Rob on the outside of you on the end? What's that been like? Yes, sir. Most definitely. Um, it's been good. You know, he's still getting adjusted to it, but he I feel like he likes it, and um, it's, I feel like he's gonna get a lot of, a lot of offensive tackles problems because he's so big, he's strong, he can move quick. He can move good for his size, and so he's he's pretty athletic. Yeah, that makes sense. You, know, you guys at D tackle, especially, it's not like you have a, a glamorous job all the time. Sometimes it, your job is to just occupy blockers, clog things up, so someone else can get a tackle. So, so how do you maintain that mindset when it when it's the type of play where you're supposed to be doing your job? When you're trying to balance that on, in a situation where you, even if the play works out well for your defense, you're not going to be the one who gets the glory. Yeah, uh, I mean, been playing defensive tackle for as long as I. I've been playing. I'm kind of used to it now, but I like it. Just it's important that we play. We play our role and do what we have to do in the defense or on that certain play because if we know if we get out of our gap, it could be it can, one wrong step or one wrong misplaced hand that can run give up a touchdown. You're from the Houston area. You were telling me before we started talking on the air here that there's a, a turkey leg hut yes, that, that I need to check out the next time I'm down there. So is it literally just I don't know. 
just a, a really small building where they're giving you turkey legs, or what's it like? No, it's a pretty big building. Got a uh, got games and pretty fun experience. I would say. I would say. I, I think you should take it out. You might like it. Okay. All right. Yeah, Sounds so. good. So is it just just straight up? We just, we just smoking these turkey legs, or are we frying them up? Is a little bit of variety. Uh, in the, it's in a spices variety. Or what? Okay. Yeah, it's a variety. You got like stuff, mac and cheese, turkey leg, turkey leg with dirty rice. You got turkey leg mixed with. Mac and cheese and dirty rice, and you, you got a lot of combinations of stuff with turkey legs. Right on. All right. Well, it sounds like I'll, I'll let you go ahead and go eat, and then hopefully you go eat on the on the football field in the fall too. Sounds oh, like yeah. a plan. Yes, sir. Good, most definitely. Good luck to you this season. Thank you. That's Josh Landry. Joined right now by the sophomore from Lee Summit North High School in Lee Summit, Missouri, Armand Membu is a second-year Missouri Tiger. That's got to feel good to say, right? You're going into camp. I see the smile on your face. Yeah. Not a freshman anymore, man. No, yeah. You made it. Congratulations. What's What's been the biggest difference from camp one to camp two for you? Yeah, I just say camp one is my first time doing everything, especially in this SEC heat. So uh, going into year two has been a lot more manageable, and I know everything that's coming. I've just been able to get used to things. I like how you said that, SEC heat. It is SEC mid-Missouri heat. That's a thing in this conference that I think people don't realize. In the early months, you have to have this sort of training because you had somewhere in September or October, depending on where it is, you're in a scorching game, and that's no small task wearing all the equipment and going out there 11 seconds at a time giving it everything you have yeah no it definitely does get hot in some of them sec stadiums like auburn last year places like that so being able to get used to that definitely gonna help us what has been the biggest surprise for you when it comes to playing in the sec whether it's games here at the zoo or on the road Honestly, and I feel like last year, my, the biggest surprise to me when I first went into the game was like, I could actually do it. So like going into the game, getting more reps, building more confidence, it definitely helped me a lot. Uh, and so I, now going into year two, it's like I know I can do it. So this year I'm, I'm trying to stop my game some more. What are the skills that you're working on right now that you think will improve your game to give you that chance to have an impact? Really mainly just my physicality. And this year, just trying to finish more blocks. I want to get more pancakes, put more people on the ground. So that's really what I want to be able to do this year. Yeah, linemen always want pancakes, man. Uh-huh. That's 100% the name of the game. Do you have a special um, celebration on the sideline with your boys <laughs> when you get a pancake? I don't got no celebration. And honestly, sometimes I'll just be tired. So it's like if I get a pancake in my head, I'm going to be happy, but like on the, in the game, I'm going to just go play the next play. You know, for you guys as a unit coming into this season, a lot more depth and a lot more faces from different places. How have you guys all come together in your OL room to, to make a group that's ready to take on this year? Yeah, I say this summer, just doing a bunch of drills together and just hanging out with each other. That's definitely helped us as a group come together. And I think we're pretty close and I think we're going to have a really good year this year. And I think we're going to uh, do a lot better job at finishing blocks this year. When it comes to finishing a block, what goes into that for you? Is it just effort? How much of it is that compared to technique? It's really effort and mentality because I think like that's the yeah, technique and stuff goes into O-line play but at the end of the day you got to have that mentality of wanting to finish your block and uh, wanting to take your guy to play and we all got talent up front so we, we're all capable of doing it so we just got to uh, make sure and use more effort and just have the right mentality. 
what is more fun for you as an individual? Is it run blocking and making that hole, or is it pass blocking and making sure you keep your quarterback clean? No, I definitely see run blocking. I like that a lot more just because I feel like, to me, run blocking is like as a way for an old lineman to make a play in the run game. So if I can move my guy like from point A to point B and uh, make a hole for running back, it definitely gets me really excited. You know, everybody thinks about an offense and say, oh, we called the quarterback's number, the wide receiver's number, the running back's number. You know in a play when they're calling your number. You know when you've got the gap to open up. So what is your feeling when that play is there and you understand, man, if I execute this, we've got the big play? Uh-huh, yeah, when you got those plays where it's like you know you got the big block and you execute it, it feels really good, especially when you go in that film room the next day and watch the film and you see you did your job. That definitely makes me feel really good. So if you don't celebrate pancakes during the game, do you at least have time afterwards to celebrate them in the film room? It's more like – I wouldn't say celebrate, but just seeing that in the film room, knowing I did my job, it definitely makes me feel really good, especially knowing that I'm taking care of my running backs and my quarterback. I've been talking about pancakes so much, I have to ask an offensive lineman – Where's your favorite place that you found to go eat here in Como? My favorite place to eat? Um, it's a lot of places I go to, but I say a really slept on place is um, Chicken Salad Chick. Uh, they got some pretty good different types of chicken salads, and I like to go there a lot. Oh, chicken salad. Yeah, that's that's a good option for sure. Is you got a favorite type of chicken salad or just like the original? I normally get the barbecue BLT. That's that's the, that's my go-to. See, now you're making me hungry, man. I think <laughs> you could probably put together a couple more barbecue BLTs than I could if you really wanted to. Uh, I, I don't have the capacity, so to speak, and you're a big guy. So uh, the barbecue BLT, I'm going to take care of that next time. And uh, Armand Membu, I know you're going to take care of Tiger quarterbacks, Tiger running backs, and everybody throughout the season. We appreciate your time, dude. Uh, Thanks for being with us. We wish you all the best this year. I know, definitely. I appreciate it. No word if uh, Armand and Josh have had to square off against each other excessively. Again, as we've talked about, um, people like to see people who they don't recognize across from them, probably. But uh, if you believe in iron sharpens iron, I mean, there are three players who have been in this before understand what camp is all about and it sounds like all trying to use it to advance their skills so they can be positive contributors for the team this season when you said josh and armand were going to square off i thought you were talking about the fact that that armand is more of a chicken salad guy which i I feel like was a bit of an upset and that josh was more of a turkey leg guy which feels right for a defensive lineman just walking around with a a big hunk of meat in one hand and just just gnawing that thing off so yeah it's a it's a great concept contrast of styles in terms of food, if you will. But yeah, all three have the potential to contribute. We've heard nothing but rave reviews about Membu, especially an underclassman who it seems like is going to get a lot of reps this season. You don't think that there's like trash talking if they do the Oklahoma drill, not saying they necessarily do, but um, you know, turkey, chicken, it's like a battle of the poultry down in there. Well, both are acceptable ways to continue to grow apparently because they are both very large young men i mean landry's listed at 6'3 287 and i i don't even think that's necessarily enough like he <laughs> he he can carry a load and armand membu for obvious reasons in the offensive line you you got to have uh your p's and q's and a couple of chicken salad sandwiches about you i was trying to play i was trying to have fun with him and say like how many chicken salad sandwiches is it he he isn't biting so he's he's probably just keeping lean and mean these days he can get a whole lot of scoops yeah he can get as many scoops as he likes i think when uh, things come down to it so uh we heard from those three and then uh brad will start us off with our next set 
of conversations. Um, we're going to keep it on the offensive line. Someone who has had a fantastic camp, by all accounts, Connor Tolleson. And then we'll hear from that guy in the middle of the defense that's going to uh, uh, raise some cane this year in Tyron Hopper. And then finally, uh, Dalen Carnell, who's been a standout in the Mizzou backfield. Why don't we hear from these three Tigers for five good minutes? Sophomore offensive lineman from Jackson, Missouri, Connor Tolleson with us now. You know, Connor, there are not a lot of places in this world where you can be 280 pounds and everyone's telling you, hey, man, you got to eat more. <laughs> is, is that weird? Has that been weird for you this offseason? Uh, no, nah, I mean, I've been trying to put the pounds on now for a while. So, I mean, it's nothing new, but... You know, I mean, just trying to get bigger every day, honestly. What's been the, the go-to food to try and make that possible? Mm, I'm a, I really enjoy Mexican food. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anytime I need to get an extra meal in it, I'm just thinking about getting some Mexican food. <laughs> All right, right on. You know, you started 12 games at center against SEC competition, did that as a freshman. Did you feel like... 280 or whatever it was you weighed at the time did you feel like oh man this isn't this isn't quite enough for what I'm going uh, up against yeah definitely at times you know there was quite big players that we played against and you know you gotta you know realize that I'm not big enough and I need to put a few pounds on so yeah it was definitely a realization last year besides the the fact that you realize you've got to hit the enchiladas a, a little bit harder what else did you learn from last season I mean again you're getting thrown into the fire I mean it, not just the SEC but Kansas State had an all-conference defensive tackle too and just going up against that rugged competition week in and week out what did you learn from that uh, I mean that everybody's good you know um, there's no off weeks and you know and it just that I needed to improve you know it was nice to have the experience you know to see things but ultimately it came down to that I needed to improve because I wasn't good enough and so I mean it just kind of set my offseason up it made my offseason pretty easy honestly just to show up and work every day because that was the only way to get better and after that offseason coach Trinkwitz said to the media just a few days ago that it it looked like you're enjoying yourself more Mm -hmm. so far this preseason is that true yeah 100% I'd say this camp's been probably my most enjoyable one since I've been here and you know you know camp's not necessarily meant to be fun but it is fun and when you can find the fun in it I would say that makes it a little bit easier and a little bit more enjoyable to be here all the time he also said that the the inside run game is more Mm -hmm. fun again at at practice because you guys are are getting some wins against a really good defensive line here for for the black and gold is that drill also fun for you oh yeah I mean it's fun you know obviously going against the good players we have makes it so challenging but that's what we need you know that's what we need to get better and improve so I mean having good players like that is perfect honestly is there a guy on that defensive line I'm guessing more at the tackle position that that you're like oh okay I gotta I gotta really make sure the chin strap's on tight because it's gonna be on any of them and all of them but I mean you know Christian Williams is a absolute stud I mean he's He's a great player, and he makes all of us better every day. You know, Rewis George, you know, he didn't even play D-line until like three years ago, and he might have some of the best pass rush moves. I mean, Jaden Jernigan and Josh Landry, they're all just very good. And when D-Rob chooses to come play some D-tackle, he's as good as any of them. So, I mean, having four or five guys like that is just huge for our defense. How much cross-training are you doing at other positions on the offensive line besides center? Um, You know – 
I take sets, I would say, or, you know, past sets at, you know, any stance, you know. Um, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily taking any other reps in center at practice, but, you know, outside of practice, you know, I still try to get reps at all the positions. Brandon Jones, your offensive line coach, he was a, a late addition to this coaching staff. I mean, he came in after spring practices. So how has that transition gone as he's had to try and get up to speed in a hurry? Yeah, I mean, just when he came in, you know, before the summer, just – told us what we needed to do to improve because improvement was you know what we needed and you know kind of set the plan up for summer and then you know we you know tried to execute it to the best of our level and you know just working every day how have the transfers that have come in on the offensive line and the, and the freshmen and the redshirt freshmen how have they been looking so far I mean, it's been good, you know, having guys come in and competing, you know, guys that have game experience, which is huge at, you know, a level like this, just for them to play the game, you know, they're coming in telling us things that, you know, they've seen or, you know, things they've done in the past or they've done before that we haven't done. And it's, you know, it's just making everybody better. And when we all compete, we all get better. So if we cut your hair, would you immediately shrink to 140 pounds and lose all your muscle mass like nah, Samson in the Bible? Or No, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't lose no weight. I'd be upset, though. I'd be upset. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, it might be a good idea to stay away from any women named Delilah at least until the offseason. But anyway, Connor, best of luck this season. We'll be rooting for you. Thank you. Connor Tollison. Here with a returning linebacker for the Missouri Tigers, originally from Shelby, North Carolina. Tyron Hopper is with us. It's a senior season for you. And that's so exciting, I think, for Tiger fans to hear because of the impact you had in your junior season a year ago. Did it meet your expectations in terms of what you were able to accomplish on the field, mixing in and having you know, a big influence on this defense right away? Um. Nah, not really. Um, you know, that's why I'm back, I'm focusing on being consistent and being better at every aspect of my game. What are the aspects of your game that you thought could use some improvement going into this season? What are you working on? Um, honestly, I can't really point out one thing because there's some things that I did well at the front end and I didn't do good on the back end. And there's some things I struggled at on the front end, but I picked up on in the back end. So this year for me, uh, consistency is the biggest thing I'm focused on. When it comes to that consistency, how do you grade it? Do you watch it in film and have it show up there? Do you just know when you're taking a rep, like, oh, man, I could do that better? How do you grade yourself to try to get that improvement? The film room, the eye in the sky, never lie. Yeah, 100% true. Why, why is that so important for you, and how do you use film to make yourself a better player? Um, I mean, you always want to be watching yourself. Like, you you could fit on a field, you can feel like you did something well. But when you watch it on film, it's like, dang, I could have did that better, you know? Mm -hmm. You were one of the team leaders and, and really one of the leaders in the SEC and up there nationally in terms of tackles for loss. So I want to ask you, when you're in a scenario where you can have that penetration behind the line, what's going through your mind? Is it is it a set thing based on the play you're running? Is it opportunistic? How do you diagnose a play where you can make that big changing play and make it a negative for the offense? Honestly, it's just knowing about uh, a formation, uh, what runs I can get or passes or different things like that. So honestly, just focusing on the offensive formation and eliminating things that I that I could get and just knowing what I'm going to get uh, out of those formations. How much does it help you to have a defense set and to know Blake Baker's terminology and concepts and schemes going into a second season? Is that 
a big assist for you when you're trying to make those sorts of determinations while you're out there playing? I feel like it's a huge assist. I feel like with all the guys around me playing so well, it makes my job easier. You've got this name Death Row Defense for you guys. Where did Death Row Defense start? And is it like all the time, like there's a big play on the sidelines and it's just Death Row getting yeah. screamed out there? How, how did it come about? Uh, it came about last year. I, I don't remember if it was during fall camp or spring ball, but it came about last year. You know, we want to be fast, physical, and yeah, just fast and physical defense, you know? Mm-hmm. When, when you see on the other side and you see this offense operating, who are the names that stick out to you and say, you know what, I'm going to take you on, but I'm going to have my hands full when I'm trying to tackle On uh, offense? Yeah. Oh, man. You know, I don't even want to single out uh, any guys, but I say, man, we got some guys on that side of the ball that look real well and has grown a lot. Did, I mean, you've gone up against some of the very best in this league, and obviously you guys on a competition level are right there with all these teams in all these different venues in the league. What do you think is the key to maybe putting it all together as a unit this season to have more success in the win column that you guys, I think rightfully so, feel was so close last year to taking that next step? Got you. Um, Like I said earlier, honestly, just being consistent, everybody being consistent, not just on the field, off the field, weight room, treatment, when you put in extra work, uh, wherever, but honestly, just focusing on being consistent. You guys have a lot of consistency and returners in your linebacker room. How does that help you get ready for this season and help you guys come closer together as you go throughout multiple years here at Missouri? Uh, I feel like it helped us a lot. You know, we got a lot of guys in the room, uh, guys stepping up, taking charge, you know, uh, being leaders and being more vocal. Uh, on the defense so yeah I feel like it helps us a lot if you guys are hanging out in that linebacker room or just on the defense outside of football what are you guys doing uh we 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 working we probably just talking about football you know we football players so if we're not here we just somewhere talking about football so so video games nah it's season hoops Uh, nah it's the season I'm not good at basketball and I'm not good at video games so okay so so what are you good at then what's the one thing if they challenged you and said all right I got you in this one Football. Something <laughs> got to do with football. <laughs> Tyron Hopper is a man who knows his football. And he's a man who's going to be at the center of it for the Missouri defense this season. Tyron, appreciate the time, man. All the best to you this season. Wish you a lot of success. Uh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, defensive back, a sophomore from Indianapolis, Dalen Carnell, joining us now. Played in every game last season, Dalen. Finished with three interceptions. What did you learn during your freshman year about what it takes to compete at this level? I mean, uh, what I learned is you just got to be consistent. I mean, on the field, off the field, uh, just in your preparation during the week, um, just being in this film. And then, like, when practice, when we're doing, like, um, scout period, when the scout offense is running, like, the plays coming up, just be locked in, even when you're not in. So just just the little things like that. I'm guessing there's not much better as a defensive back than intercepting a ball and returning it for a touchdown, and you were able to do that against mm-hmm. New Mexico State. Can you walk us through what you were seeing on that play? Yeah, on that play, we had seen that play in practice. Coach Baker told us that they came out in that formation on a certain down and distance he was going to call that play, and he told us he was, they was going to run that play. So it was really just um, – I basically just knew to play before the ball was snapped. And then um, once the ball was snapped, I just trusted it. And then I just went and made the play and just ran to the end zone. (laughs) How cold were you that night? Nah, that night night was super cold. Um, 
almost all my teammates they was on me because I was one of the only guys wearing um, a short sleeve. They was they was on me from warm ups throughout the game. But any time we came off the field, I was closest dude by the heaters. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you did have the short sleeve. So you're from Indianapolis. So you mm-hmm. know a lot of these guys are people who are from warm weather states. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you feel like whenever the environment does pop up like that, having that background being mm-hmm. from more of a midwestern you know place that that helps you when it's cold? Yeah, I think they they was like. Acting like it was the end of the world. I mean, it was cold. I mean, it was cold, but um, I've been in colder, so I knew I was good. That's why I came out in the long, in the short sleeves. So yeah, right on. Looked good. Uh, so what did you learn last season from Martez Manuel, who also played a lot at the position mm-hmm. you're at? Yeah, Martez. He was he was a tremendous leader. I mean, I learned a lot from him in that department, and then also um, just the way he fits up the run, and then he was also a real great pass rusher for a defensive back. So I've been trying to just incorporate them to get things from my game um, that I took from him. What do you like about playing in that star position on the defense? Yeah, in the star position, you're just very involved. I mean, in the past game, most of the times, um, QB loves his, um, his slot receiver. They get the ball a lot. I mean, and we're on them. And then you're just also involved, very heavily involved in the run game. So you just, I mean, you're involved all the time. You got guys like Chris Abrams, Drain, Ennis Rakestraw, J.C. Carlisle, Joseph Charleston. They're all playing similar positions to you, and, and they did it like you at a really high level last season. How does that help your growth to have dudes like that around you? And I, I'm guessing pushing you a little bit. Yeah, that um, just having all those guys around, they just um, we all push each other just to be better. I mean, we coach each other up. We just talk to each other about what we see. I mean, we're a real we're a real tight group. We talk outside of here. We I mean, we're just always together. What needs to happen for the secondary group to be even better this season? Um, just the way we just the way we prepare. I mean, and then just going out there and just being better. Just 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 try to be better every day in practice. I mean, watching film in the weight room. Just trying to be better every day. I mentioned you came here from Indianapolis. So why did you decide that Mizzou was the right place for you? Um, really, uh, coach drink. I mean, most of the schools that recruited me, it was like the position coach and then Missouri. I mean, then it was different coaches, but it was like a lot of coaches recruiting me here. So, I mean, just having a lot of different coaches recruiting me. And then on top of that, having the head coach talking to you daily, that was, um, a big thing. So when I think of Indianapolis, I think of that that steakhouse, St. Elmo's with the spicy shrimp and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Is is that is that like your go-to spot when you go back home, or do you have some other places that you like? To yeah, go? I've been there, but um, I mean, I go I go different places every time I'm home. But um, one one place I always go is um, Long's Donuts. It's like um, a real popular uh, donut spot in the, in Indianapolis. It's only one of them. So, I mean, yeah, it's a real popular spot. I always make sure I go there at least one time. Are they get, Do they get wild with the flavors like some donut places? Or is it straight glazed? Or, or how, how do you roll there? Um, they got, I mean, they got some flavors. I always go... Um, Either glaze, yeast, or the apple and cinnamon. I like I like them. So okay, all right. I like the apple and cinnamon. So yeah, good stuff. <laughs> hey man, well, best of luck this season. Thanks a lot for coming on with us. Yep, thank you. That's Dalen Carnell. Now I want to go back to how things ended between you and Connor Tolleson because it is far from my expectation, and and be I not a a true scholar of um, biblical history, but a Samson and Delilah reference, <laughs> you know. 
Matt, the overwhelming majority of what we do here on the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast is for you, the the listener or the the viewer in, in some cases on, on Facebook. But every once in a while, there's a question that I put in there for me. And that one was for me, just to try and you, you never know. I mean, just because just the flow was so majestic, <laughs> it became like, a Samson's hair. I'll tell you what, man. The the I don't know if it's the hair or what, but like you mentioned before those interviews, he's gotten a lot of good reviews. You know, from all the way up to to Eli Drinkwitz himself about how much of a leap he has made from last season to this season. And I'll tell you what, you know, you you combine him with a guy like Membu, a couple of youngsters. If they can find a way to solidify those two spots, and you have a couple spots locked in in the future, then that's a, a really encouraging sign to have potentially that type of stability for multiple years. And I think that it, it's not really a secret that Coach Drinkwitz was looking for improved play mm-hmm. at that center spot. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a new guy who who provides that improved play, especially when the guy last year was a freshman who now has a year under his belt. He's gotten some more food like within his belt. He's had to move a notch on his belt potentially to get a little bigger so he can line up with some of these defensive tackles he has to go up against week in, week out. So, you know, if, if it ends up being Connor Tollison, I think that'd be a, a heck of a story, an in-state kid who at a minimum has clearly – gotten a lot better in the eyes of the coaches I mean the competition was there and not um not subtle I guess you could say to people who were paying attention to this stuff in terms of the day in day out and the people who report on this stuff day in and day out um everybody knows that Mizzou needed improvement from that position and uh, it sounds like at least as of now Tolleson has provided that in camp does that mean you go an entire season being the person well you certainly hope so at least in his case, but I think that's a competition that lasts just like many on this team. I mean, quarterback being first and foremost in people's minds, but we'll see these things shake out over the first few weeks. And then probably by the time you get to week four or five, that's when it becomes more solidified. I don't think there's anything necessarily written in stone there, but to hear that there has been such improvement from Tolleson, like you said, a great story if we just want to focus on him and for all of them. I mean, you better not sleep easy at night until you've played a few weeks of football very successfully. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And even Dalen Carnell, who I thought had a really good year last season in the secondary, and then, you know, Martez Manuel moved on. So you presume, like, all right, he's going to get all the reps. Well, he He's got some competition that's come in via the transfer portal and, and some younger guys, too. And I think there's a lot of depth, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where, yeah, you're there's pretty much nobody who can feel too safe over there. Except maybe Tyron Hopper. <laughs> He's a guy who everybody that we've talked to so far, Matt, has been raving about how good he was. And he was great last year, and so they've really been pumping him up. I mean, Cody Schrader thinks he could be defensive player of the year in the entire conference so it's exciting to see what he can bring both of the running backs say yeah that guy I don't really love seeing it when that guy's out there then you know he's doing something right and Tyron Hopper I've said it I think first team all SEC is absolutely 
a potential future for him and for this Tiger team uh, just because of the nature of his play and how good he was in year one last year. So we'll just see how death row defense looks when he's got another year under his belt. And apparently he doesn't do anything but think about, he probably sleeps on a football. Uh, he just all football right now. So that's probably good news for Tiger fans all the way around. All right. So we've had some of that business done. We'll do some business with our friends at Shelter Insurance, and then we'll come back uh, to talk about actual things happening and also things in Brad's head after you hear from our friends at Shelter Insurance. After I drop the kids off, I have to run across town for a meeting, hit the gym during lunch, Jake has soccer tonight, and Emily has gymnastics? Oh, did I turn on the Crock-Pot this morning? (laughs) With a never-ending to-do list, it's easy to forget something important, like setting up a life insurance plan with Shelter Insurance. Your local shelter agent can show you how to create a safety net for your family. Don't let life get in the way of what's most important. Visit shelterinsurance.com to learn more. Shelter Life Insurance Company, Columbia, Missouri. And our podcast is also brought to you by Raceline. With over 30 years of turnkey project execution, Raceline is an industry leader in engineering, manufacturing, and installation of modular process systems. Click Vroom towards kickoff, and not just for football. For many things. Yes. Uh, Mizzou Soccer is getting it on. This, it's crazy. It, we're, so we're recording this, you know, early early on the week of, of August 14th. But as we look ahead to Thursday, the 17th, Mizzou soccer hosting SEMO. Mm-hmm. And then they host Creighton on Sunday. Volleyball, who's actually practicing as we speak as we're recording this in the Hearn Center. They've got a, a matchup with Iowa State in town on Saturday, getting an early look at the Cyclones and under new head coach Don Sullivan there. So, yeah, we are, we are, we are at it, my friend. We are here. I think the soccer's are at Creighton on Sunday. Oh, apologies. One demerit. Thank One you. demerit. That's fair. Yes. If if you'll be able to redeem yourself, I think here shortly. But uh, Omaha's not that bad of a drive. Not to be fair. Yeah, I mean that's okay. And actually, a couple of days off in between. It's not like the Friday Sunday, the Thursday Sunday usual soccer lineup, and uh, uh, volleyball. Hey. You got a good match right away when you're going against a Big 12 team in Iowa State, and then uh, onwards they will go uh, actually hosting a few the next weekend, 25th, 26th, and 27th in Illinois State, Central Arkansas, and Colgate. So uh, whether any of those teams fit your fancy or not, you should just get out yourself, see Don Sullivan's club. They have been practicing long and hard in this early season, and and they kind of get a chance to do it – Whenever they want to, because the classes haven't happened yet. So, yep, good know, time to good time to get a look. Yeah, yeah, lots of new faces on that roster, and and looking forward to seeing what they can do in year number one of a new era. All right, so you said that there are things that you think of in the shower that somehow become pertinent to this presentation, and I, I still don't have a complete grasp on what exactly this is. So I will let you describe from the annals of Brad Trinago's, um addled and confused mind what idea is going to entertain the folks when it comes to collegiate mascots addled and confused all right i'll I'll let that go anyway you had one demerit so So, i I just redeemed it (laughs) so the thought hit the thought occurred to me if you were to line up the 12 mascots that are on mizzou's football schedule and had them fight like one-on-one college football playoff in the future style who would end up victorious and so I have put that bracket together so it's a 12 team 
12 teams. So let's do a 12-team bracket. The top four seeds, in terms of their football performance, got a buy. I didn't want to be subjective in terms of who I thought would would win or, or anything like that. So I just based it basically off of primarily the preseason SEC rankings. Then I also kind of slotted Kansas State in where I thought was appropriate based on the preseason coaches top 25 and then the three group of five FCS folks they're they're at the bottom mm-hmm. so that's that's the bracket that I have created and so, so you seeded them based upon football prowess generally however football prowess does not necessarily lead to success when we're just talking about what mascots we think will would overcome yes. one another in some sort of combat. Correct. Now, two important factors here. Much like the college football playoff is going to be in future years, this first round that we're going to go through is a, a road game. I don't know if they've locked that in or not. That's how I did it in my mind anyway. So it's a, it's a home road situation. So keep that in mind. Also, I'm borrowing from the Jenkins and Jones podcast Beast Bracket style and we are standardizing the animals to 1,000 pound groups. That's a very important. Oh. That's a very important distinction, which levels the playing field. Because otherwise, it's like okay, one alligator against one bulldog. Duh. Of course, the alligator is going to win. But we're going to standardize this to 1,000 pound groupings. Okay. So, in other words, uh, if you had a thousand pound elephant, if you were playing Alabama and you had a bunch of bulldogs, a thousand pounds of bulldogs would mm-hmm. be sicked upon the one elephant. Exactly. And so that, that changes the calculus a little bit. So we'll, we'll go ahead and move on to round one. Our first matchup is the 512 contest oh my goodness i hope people are still listening so all right let's the go to- yeah this is actually the most fun matchup in the first round because there's so many of them so the 12 seed south dakota they're coyotes or coyotes however you want to pronounce that depending on where you are they're not that big so it's going to take a pack of about 30 coyotes to get to a thousand pounds so we've got okay 30 coyotes in one corner per wikipedia a versatile and adaptable species so should perform well on the road and they're going to have to go on the road because, again, they're the, the weaker seed here. It is a, a coyote is a meat eater, but it's mostly smaller animals known as a trickster in folklore in some cultures. So you got to watch out for fake punts and double reverses if, if it ends up being a football yes, contest that breaks out, obviously. Their matchup is on the road to the other Columbia against the South Carolina Gamecocks. Now, of course, it's a fighting rooster a, quote, feisty bird that relishes a scuffle, according to the school. And so it dates back yeah, to... Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, dates back to a win against Clemson in 1902 and uh, a drawing of a Gamecock standing over a defeated Tiger that nearly literally led to a fight to the death between South Carolina and Clemson. So they, we, you know... At, yeah, I at, mean, at, they've not liked each other for a long yeah. time. I get that. At Mizzou, we know a thing or two about literal fights to the death that have since translated to uh, the collegiate ranks, so that's uh, that's understandable. Obviously, this is the smallest mascot, so that's not necessarily a bad thing, because again, we're adjusting for weight here, getting them up to 1,000 pounds. 150 feisty birds that relish a scuffle, and we're also going to assume they have been illegally trained by humans since they're those types of gamecocks. They're omnivores; they can eat anything. Although obviously the animals they eat typically are small. So Matt, here's your matchup: thirty South Dakota coyotes versus one hundred and fifty. 
feisty birds that relish a scuffle. I'm going to assume this is in some sort of cage since they get to play on the road. I mean, that is a 5-1 to one advantage for the Gamecocks, and they are on their home turf. So, yes, let's... I think fairly presume that there is some sort of enclosure involved here. With that being said, all it takes for a coyote to have success against a Gamecock is one good chomp. Mm. One good chomp and that's it. The problem is going to be if there are enough of the Gamecocks to peck at and and destroy or otherwise, you know, subdue the coyote to make the coyote want to quit. I, I don't think that the Coyotes are going to be necessarily wanting to quit, and there will be a critical mass point at which if the Coyotes have enough chomping success or pawing success, that that Gamecock ratio is going to start to go down, and the Coyotes will start to be able to have the lead. And so it is for this reason, although it isn't an enclosure, and heaven, I hope it is a very large enclosure for this sort of strange, caged, unsanctioned, illegal fight between mascots that I would pick the 30 Coyotes to win over 150 game. I I would, but it would be an absolute war. Yeah, you know, entering this event, I, I thought the 150 Gamecocks were actually a sleeper, and they go out in round one. So congratulations, South Dakota advancing on to round number two against an opponent that we will uh, reveal down the road. Uh, again, it, it's not going to look good at one point for the Coyotes, but they're going to get enough chomps, going to get enough wings clipped. That's a good point. That they're going to get there. Yeah, because the, you know, the Gamecocks, they, the, the numbers stood out to me, but t- can they really finish the deal when they're not going up against another rooster? That, that's, so that's, I think you make a, a valid point that's there. Tr- and, and sometimes, you know, they underestimate what they've got going up against them. And, you know, when you underestimate, that's when you get in trouble. Yep, that's a good point. All right, uh, the 8-9 matchup, I'm guessing, is not going to be quite as competitive, but we'll we'll see what Matt thinks. So the 9 seed is the Vanderbilt Commodores, named after the sugar daddy of the university, Cornelius Vanderbilt, shipping and railroad magnate who got his start in naval shipping. Uh, let's say he's a decent-sized man of the sea at about 200 pounds because that helps my math five shipping magnates on the Vanderbilt side Uh, you could argue he can use his vast resources I personally would say no it's not like the pack of coyotes gets body armor or something so to me he can only use his top of the food chain brain and a private school education well I mean very well done and well thought out by you um but here's now also the thing. We understand that Cornelius Vanderbilt like is the founder of the university, but is, the, is that who the Vanderbilt Commodore is based off of? Or is the Vanderbilt Commodore, you know, I think of a Commodore with at least a cutlass. You know, you got to have some sort of personal protection, although I, I think I understand where I'm going to go with this anyways. I just want to make sure we're accurately representing the Commodore as having some sort of of personal protection other than his own hand. You know what? I'm feeling generous. Let's give him a a cutlass of some sort because he's going up on the road against the Florida Gators. And initially, a a live Gator named Albert, he transitioned to a costume version in 1970. Alberta was added in 84. Let's go with the live Gator because it's a lot Mm. more fun, obviously. Alligator weight, it turns out, can really vary greatly depending on how long they're allowed to age. Let's go with two 500-pound gators with an affinity for Tom Petty songs so that they won't back down from this fight. Yeah, as long as they are going to go after the Commodores no matter what, 
Um, I, I like the Gators in this one. And part of this is venue. You mentioned home road is going to make a difference. End of the if swamp. The Commod- if this is at Vanderbilt and the Commodores are on the high seas, they each have a flotilla at their disposal to absolutely cannonade these Gators from the face of the briny depths. But this is in a swamp. It is mucky. It, they're going to sink knee-deep into the mud, and when you are a sunken Commodore knee-deep into the mud, there is nothing you can do against a large Gator. So, for me, the Gators, based upon the home venue. Yep, so Florida advances as the eighth seed, and they'll they'll have a, a different look to the cocktail party coming up in, uh, in round number two. That's a little bit of a tease for you. Mm-hmm. But first, to the bottom half of the bracket, the 11 seed, the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. The name, I didn't know this, initially stolen from Colgate back in the day when Colgate was the <laughs> Red Raiders. I didn't know that. So the mascot has taken several forms. MTSU most recently settled on a mythological winged horse. For their Blue Raider mascot. Uh, horses are heavy. We're going to go and set this at one smallish winged horse at 1,000 pounds. Okay. Um, now, this is really interesting because I, I, I've never seen a winged horse. Uh, I understand that this is not a real thing. And as a Missouri Tiger uh, interested party, I understand that things that are mythical with wings, I don't necessarily look kindly on, so I'm going to try to put my personal bias aside for this. Something else to keep in mind, according to the school's website, quote, character, talent, and strength, unquote, are required to even mount this fabled horse. So, whoever the opponent is, you got to be on upset alert, obviously, but could there be a coachability issue with the winged horse? Well, I mean, it's all a matter of temperament, and sometimes you get a winged horse that is uh, very able to uh, coexist with uh, a mount, as you would mention, and sometimes, you know, it's just a wild bronco, and I don't know which one is more dangerous in this instance. So, in this case, it'll be MTSU going on the road. It's it's a battle of blue, because it's the Kentucky Wildcats who are going to be hosting as the sixth seed. Uh, the nickname came after a football win at Illinois in 1901. Someone said UK fought like Wildcats that day to beat the Illini. Uh, UK's Wildcat is identified as a Bobcat. I didn't know that they actually clarified that, but it only grows to like the 30, 40 pound range. So we're going to go with a pounce. Yes, one option for Bobcat group names is pounce. 30 not so big blue Bobcats. 30 not so big blue Bobcats at home against one large winged horse. Yeah, and again, you've got some some questions on the it, it's it seems like it's a little bit of a, a wild one in terms of being able to, to tame it, but that could work out in a good way. I and mean, the, sometimes you want them to, want people to play with their hair on fire, right? Well, the Wildcat has a home field advantage. In this case, that means hilly and mountainous terrain, <laughs> generally speaking, for a Bobcat. And for me, I, I think this is really easy, Brad. And I hate to do this to the mythical winged horse, but it it's going to see 30-odd wild animals and go, well, I need to fly. And you can kick while flying, and you can have some success. But you can't do that forever. Nothing flies forever. And at 1,000 pounds, I mean, that's got to be quite the wingspan indeed to have any sort of length. You're not going to really get the thermals off the hills here. So you can run, but you can't hide from the Bobcats. I would give the Wildcats the edge in this match. It's a hu- Yeah, 30 to 1 is a, is a huge number there. So that makes sense. Kentucky moves on to the second round. And one more first round matchup, the 10 seed, the Memphis 
Tigers. I, I should mention, by the way, I forgot to say this off the top. We're assuming that Truman the Tiger would win this in a walk. So we we left him out of the bracket because it's just so obvious that he would win. Mm-hmm. So that's that's yeah. that, that's that's a given. This is to be who would theoretically be second. Who, who would give Truman the best competition before ultimately I losing. mean, it's a ladder match to decide who gets the right to face Truman for the championship belt. But woe yeah. be unto you who wins this Pyrrhic victory. I agree. Memphis Tigers, live pyramid, not Pyrrhic. Memphis had a live tiger mascot at one point named Tom, which was an acronym for the Tigers of Memphis. That went until 2020. Uh, Tom 3 died in 2020. Uh, they were all Bengal Tigers, so we're going to go with that. Uh, males get to be around 500 pounds, so we're going to go with two Bengal Tigers representing Memphis. Uh, obviously, they're tigers, Bengal Tigers, carnivores. They do have the potential to hunt large prey. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very good point. Now, who who do we see them up against? They are on the road against the seven seed, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, they were originally a Cardinal, which that would not have been nearly as exciting, but changed to a Razorback, fortunately for our bracket, uh, back in 1910. The official live mascot is a Russian boar, uh, somehow roughly as big as an alligator, <laughs> pushing 500 pounds. So we'll have two future pork chops representing our battle line rivals here. And how many cats? Uh, it's two, so two Razorbacks against two Bengal Tigers. So this is oh. the one matchup where it's a two-on-two. There, we're going to call this a two-on-two matchup. Well, I think anybody who's encountered or seen an actual feral hog uh, understands that they are ill-tempered mm-hmm. and um, a nuisance, certainly in ways to humans, uh, in such a way that there are programs to eliminate wild packs of them, but also just in the fact that if you run into one, I don't think your day ends very well if it has an ill temper towards you, which it would have an ill temper towards the tiger. And again, we're thinking about this being in like the forests of Arkansas, Mm. which is not a, a very pleasant place to be. But you know what? A tiger understands the forest as well. A tiger can climb a tree and say, Razorback, I dare you, and that's not going to happen. So if the tiger has the wits to climb the tree and kind of pounce from on top, I'm going to give it the edge. Um, It may not always have the same fighting gusto as the Razorback, but it has a lot more cunning, I would argue. So for me... The Tiger wins on the road in Razorback country. So Memphis advances. Not a long road trip. They're probably used to that Memphis to uh, Arkansas, so they're good. Uh, Fun fact, I think you already know this, but shooting pigs from a helicopter is legal in Texas. And that may explain why Texas A&M has won 10 of the last 11 against the Razorbacks. It is not only legal in Texas. I recall, and this is in a prior life as a uh, radio personality, uh, that there was uh, one interview when I was doing the news that um, was with Ted Nugent himself, <laughs> yeah, the Motor City madman who, um, when he hunts, donates a lot of the meat to charity, to food banks and stuff like that. Um, and he told a story on the air during an interview with our radio stations of the times that he would take out a helicopter with a large machine gun and hunt wild packs of feral hogs in Texas. So not only legal to do that for purposes of controlling the population, but he being Ted Nugent taking it a step further and saying, I will do this from the air and with heavy machinery. And that's what I think of when I think of feral hogs. So congratulations to Memphis pulling a Ted Nugent and taking down a, a couple of, of feral hogs in round number they one. They do have the cat scratch feet. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> they did. They got scratched quite a bit, it, it would appear. All right, so that that's only the first round. Uh, my thought, Matt, since this is already going a little bit long, we can introduce our top four seeds and crown our mascot fight champion perhaps next week and maybe talk to a few more Mizzou football players while we're at it. Yes, I think that is a good plan, and I thank you. I, I thank your addled troubled, confused mind for coming up with such a pleasant idea, because I think that this is now, and you're also playing to my ego, you're letting me be the decider of this, and just presenting me with the options, so it makes it very easy for me to come to a, a fair conclusion. So if you ever feel like I reach an unfair conclusion, you may challenge me on this, but I think we've gotten a, a solid four for next week. Wait until I introduce you to the Tennessee groupings. It's pretty fun. It's going to be fascinating, I am sure. So um, I think that's about all the damage we could do here today. A big thanks to you for listening. Thanks to our friends at Shelter Insurance for powering the podcast. If you like us, subscribe to us and tell your friends. We're going to have much more football content coming down the pipe as we go through this season and all things Wazoo Athletics, as always. For Brad Trinago, I'm Matt Michaels. Thanks for listening. We'll be with you right here next time on the Inside Wazoo Athletics podcast. This has been Inside Mizzou Athletics with Matt Michaels and Brad Trinago. Brought to you by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Central Bank Tiger Network. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.